Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Do you want to make a podcast? Well, Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily and distribute it everywhere and even earn money as well. All in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and literally everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it is totally free with no catch. Ever since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, it's been so easy to get the show out to y'all, and I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to spotify.com slash podcasters to get started. Hey, you know what to do. You're grown. You know what's right. 19, 16, I don't know. I never know exactly what those mean, but we're somewhere in that ballpark. It's one o'clock in the afternoon in Auburn, Alabama, and this place was lit. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the College Loop Podcast, the 11th episode, I believe, the College Loop Podcast. And for the first time ever, we have only two face cams, but three people on the podcast, as Daniel and Tar are both in the same room right now. How y'all two doing? Wouldn't have it any other way. This is great. We're having a good time, man. It's it's good to be able to actually hang out with your friends and the, that you work with. And uh, it's good to be back on the plane. It's always good to be home. Yeah. And uh, this is following a Auburn victory on the plains after they beat Mississippi State 69 to 63 in a game where Auburn just the last 30 seconds just went forever. And y'all two were at the game. So y'all probably felt it more than I did watching it on television. So how was, it was that? Rough. <laughs> Yeah, because I I don't think Auburn just kept fouling at that that last thirty seconds was just brutal to watch. But top story of this game, Jay will. We've only been preaching it for a while, man. We've been preaching it forever. Uh, um, is it his career high twenty one points? Uh, you know that's a great question, and I'm I'll, I'll go through the rundown, and you can look that up for me while I do that. Okay. Yeah, I'll look it up. That's like we'll start we'll start there, but I mean I mean this the story of the, of this game, uh, Daniel, or really it's Jalen Williams. Yeah. Uh, what a what a what a what a guy in terms of uh, looking around and saying, well, nobody else is going to score, and I'm hot. Um, and there were a couple of, of shots that he put up that I would usually not be okay with, but they were heat checks. And sometimes I, I get it, you just got to find out. Um, and then there were a couple of circus shots that went in. Um, I thought he played out of his mind on both ends of the floor. Him fouling out was really where I started biting nails. Um, I, I was, I was a little nervous there. Uh, the, uh, the officiating, uh, I'm not one to say this Dylan, you know, you know, I try to be as neutral as I really can. Um, officiating was bad both ways. It, it was not, it didn't benefit either team. 
Yeah, um, and I, I got the point for you. Uh, so actually, last season, or not, yeah, January 6, 2021, two seasons ago, actually. 24 so, points? 24 points at Ole Miss. You see, I thought it was 24. So he owns the state of Mississippi is what we're trying to say. Uh, sure. Rumor has it. <laughs> Rumor has yeah. it that way. 21 uh, points, seven rebounds, two assists, shot five of seven from the three-point line. Really helped Auburn find any kind of three-point shot. For I mean, you can skip it in the rundown. For the first time ever, Auburn actually looked decent from the three-point line this season. I thought Auburn looked good from the three-point line tonight. I mean, when you when you're when you're shooting forty-four percent from the from the from three, eleven to twenty-five, you're probably not going to see that from this team again this year. If you see it again in March, then you're in good shape. Uh, that 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 is that's another storyline, right? Yeah, uh, the shot shot selection was not outstandingly great. Um, there were open looks and they took them. Uh, I mean, Katie Johnson namingly got himself got saw the ball go through the rim, and I know we've been talking about getting him in a straight jacket. Um, and and I and I agree to an extent, but at some point you you do have to look and say that was a good move, a, a good moment because sometimes you got to see the ball go through the rim. It, it really it does change everything. Um, yeah. but from the from the three point line, I mean, it's, you're not going to lose very many games when when you shoot eleven to twenty five from from perim- the perimeter and your opponent shoots o of eighteen. Um, that'll do it. I was like, you're not going to win very many games to shoot over 18 from the three-point line. No. The KD shot, I remember me and you texted about it. I was screaming at him for shooting the ball, and then my attitude quickly changed whenever it banked in. Uh, it was like I was as crazy as KD was right then at that moment. I lost my mind. It felt but, good to see, for sure. Yeah. yeah hopefully, sight for sore eyes. Yeah, hopefully he can get some, get some more shots in. And, and Katie, I mean, quietly had five points tonight. I know that's not an eye-popping number, um, but it's been so tough for to watch from him recently. He only took two from the perimeter, um, only shot, you know, I mean, only went to the rim five times and played 17 minutes, and he played good defense tonight. Um, he played Katie Johnson, what we're used to, his brand of, of physical on-ball defense. And in the first half, it was beneficial because I've seen Dennis Rodman games played cleaner than that. Um but uh, but to that point, that, that's definitely a storyline you need to keep your eye on. Um, if KD can get back to being not the KD of last year, I don't know that that's in the cards for 2023. But I think that get back to being an average player, um, slightly above average, kind of a little bit of a microwave, uh, that could be big for this team. And, and it could be big for them come tournament time. Because I, I'm starting to think that if Auburn, I mean, barring the, the minus the fact that this team refuses to put people in the review mirror, which that is something I was going to talk about here in a moment. Um that Auburn team I saw play tonight for, I would say, of the 40 minutes, uh, 29 and a half. I don't know. I feel 29 and a half feels good. 29 of those 40 minutes felt like a team that, it, they could beat anybody. Um, and the other 11, you go through those little droughts like every team does. But the droughts are bad. The highs are high and the lows are low. Um, and, and this team struggles to find uh, a middle ground. Uh, so that's that's kind of something to keep an eye on. I, I got a question for, for Daniel and you put this on the rundown, um, Dylan, I'm going to let him fill it. Where the hell is Janai Broom tonight? Um, I didn't see him. Yeah. I didn't see number four. I must've missed him sitting right there on the uh, three point line, but you know, a very, very quiet night from Janai Broom only, only putting up six points, which I've come to expect a quiet 18 to 20 from him, but he did have two steals, four rebounds and an assist. So not a horrible night, but just not really anything too eye-popping. Still struggling to grab some boards on the offensive side of the ball. That would be nice to see him get. His consistency in large has been there, though. Um, yeah. and, and another guy I'm going to ask you about, Dylan. I'm I'm getting there. I think I think that I think Flanagan and Alan Flanagan may be back to being Alan Flanagan. And this could be, I mean, if 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 he continues this trajectory, guys, I'm going to go ahead and put him as my way too early 
um, comeback player of the year. I mean, I don't think that's out of the cards to have it right now. I mean, I don't know uh, who else who else would be available for the comeback player of the year for Auburn. I'm trying to. <laughs> That's Unless a, a stretch hacking bola starts getting in games and putting up massive, how, how legendary would that be? Um, I think that uh, you're, you're probably right. There's there's probably another not another storyline, but still, I mean, Allen he looks healthy. Um, his decision making has improved over the over the past five games since he's been back in double figures. This is what four straight, right? Yeah, yeah. This is four. four. Um, but even uh, even even dating back further than that, his decision making is better. His ball handling has gotten better. Um, and he's playing a little bit more. And I've, I've talked about how he's, he's a forward, but he's playing a little bit more like a guard now. And and I think for NBA purposes for him, and I can't believe that we're talking to NBA about Alan Flanagan about this, there's going to be some teams that are going to look at his, at his skill set and say, we can we can fix him. Um, and I don't think that he's that broken right now. Oh, no. And look at the box score for him. He loaded out the, the score sheet. I mean, 10 points, seven rebounds, three assists, two steals, and Auburn's only block of the day came from Alan Flanagan. And my favorite moment of the entire game came from Alan Flanagan, and it was after a whistle. So <laughs> let, let me share real quick. With a minute and a half left, uh, Alan, Alan Flanagan and uh, Janai Broom went up uh, and, and hacked uh, the one of the, one of the Mississippi State guards. I can't even remember who it was because I was too infatuated with this place. It was hilarious. Um, they hacked him, didn't score. Good good moment for Auburn. But it, it, it was a foul, and, and it should have been on Janai. I mean, Janai slapped the whole forearm. It wasn't close. For those of you watching the visual podcast, Daniel, put your arm up real quick. Janai literally did that number. Um, and the ref blew the whistle, and Alan just looked at the ref and goes, That was me. That was me. That was me because Janai had four fouls, and Alan only had two. <laughs> and that's an underratedly hilarious moment. In the evening. Actually, that's a really smart play on his part, too, because that would have oh, knocked out a thousand percent. <laughs> yeah. You're already down Jalen Williams, and they're making a little late, late game surge. You got to keep Janai in the game. Yeah, but let's go ahead and go into some some of Auburn's miscues tonight. Or do you wait? Actually, skip one thing. Uh, Wendell Green Jr. shot 100% from the free throw line. I know you have a little question on here for your from yourself, but I was going to do that high point of the free throw line, 100% seven of seven tonight, and has shot 40 of 45 from the line in the last six games. Yeah, I saw um I saw a pretty crazy stat um that. Well, first off, Wendell Green Jr. may be the best free throw shooter Auburn's had and I don't know how long. I'd have to go back and fact check probably since Bryce Brown or Jared Harper. Yeah. Um, but uh, he's done well from the free throw line. He was clearly outsized tonight. I mean, um, uh, excuse me, Mississippi State is is a very tall team. Um, he's not very good against the trap. Uh, I, I'm, I'm going to just look kind of off the, off the fly real quick because I should have taken a, a quick peek at this one real quick. Uh, only three turnovers got accredited to him. It felt like it was a million. Um, uh, decision making was 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 a little bit. It left a lot to be desired. Um, and I've never been one to call uh, Wendell a ball hog. I think he's a great facilitator. There were a handful of possessions in big moments where you start to wonder, Flan, when are you going to dish the ball? And uh, I'm not Flan. Excuse me, Wendell. You know what I meant. So I meant to say, when when are you going to di- uh, dish the ball? Um, decision making has got improved, but uh, Daniel, uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, man. I think that Wendell Green Jr. has become the most vocal leader. Uh, he's taken huge strides and, and is really that that's his team. Yeah, I would have to agree. Um, if you, you just watch him play, they run around Wendell, uh, those huddles that they call, like when the other teams go into the line, he's the one in the middle, he's the one talking, and he's the one giving direction, which I'm glad to see that this team finally kind of has a leader. Um, they needed one, yeah. Because, like, obviously Jabari was the leader last year, right? Best player. Everyone kind of just looked at him. 
this team doesn't have a first round draft pick. They just don't at, at this point. Things can change. But <laughs> as of now, there's not one. So Wendell kind of t- just taken on that role. And I'm really glad to see that. It's and, encouraging. And that's he also had another funny moment where when Leo Leo Borman was shooting a free throw, he made his first one. And instead of reaching back like guards do to like, you know, typically guards, but everyone to go get high fives from their uh, from their backcourt. Um uh <laughs> he started like rubbing his hands together and Wendell reached up and just grabbed him on the arm and shook his hand backwards <laughs> and just let him go back to the line. And I believe uh, Lee Orberman missed that free throw, did he? He did. So uh, rumor has it that might've been Wendell's fault, but um, <laughs> hey, if Wendell's not going to miss from the free throw line, he's got to cause someone else to, right? So. But uh, talk about some of the miscues he brought with the turnovers. Uh, Auburn had 20 turnovers tonight, seven of which should come from Alan Flanagan for the ESPN stat sheet. Another miscue is Leo Borman shot 0 for 1 from the three-point line, ruining his perfect streak <laughs> that he was having. No, he shot 1 for 2. No, he shot 0 for 1. Did he really? Yeah, he did. That's it's, a bummer. He sure did. It's a no, sad. No, he's 1 for 2. It says right here on the stat line. I can, I can screen share. The free throw line. You said the free throw line. I said three-point line. Oh, oh. never mind. I, th- I thought I heard free throw line I in my too. mind. <laughs> Yeah, but ruined his perfect streak. He hasn't missed a three-point shot since Washington, and it's a sad sight to see. Probably the worst day in Auburn sports ever. I'd like to put it out there um, before we transition into the last 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 part of of, the, of this of this conversation. Um, Leor Berman is quietly one of the best defenders on this team, and I, I'm not like you can quote that. That's fine, um, and and you can call that a hot take all you want. The the dude's just a fundamentally good defender. Um, it's, it's, it's remarkable. Um, and, and there's a lot of that hustle aspect and he's sneaky athletic. Yeah. We've all heard those stereotypes, whatever. Um, he knows where he's supposed to be. He never, he doesn't lose his man very often. Um, and then on the offensive floor, I mean, if he's a little bigger, you, you probably feed him more because his cuts are good. His off ball ability. I mean, his, he brings a ton of value on the court off ball, which you, you, we don't appreciate this kind of people enough. I just want I really wanted to throw that out there. I'm being sincere, not just Leor Berman fanboying because I, I am a stand. I mean, you don't have to like ask permission for me to do it. If you want me to put a Leor Berman quote on the social medias, I will do it. No questions asked. <laughs> but another one of the miscues tonight was Mississippi State got to the free throw line so much tonight. They shot 28 free throws on Auburn's 22 personal fouls. Yeah, if the Bulldogs are good from the line, Auburn loses this game. If the Bulldogs are very good from this line, from the line, they, they shot 75% as a team um, and they converted a good bit, but they split a bunch. I yeah. mean, they, they really, uh, Mississippi State, excuse me, Mississippi State split a bunch of their free throws. Uh, I think Auburn probably still winds, winds up winning this in a different way. Officiating was two different games on both sides, by the way. Like the first half is completely different from the second half. And I don't like to, like I said, I don't like to complain about officiating, but it was hard to watch from a fan perspective, both halves for different reasons. I mean, you correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think there was a single free throw taken in the first half. No, there was not. Not a single free throw. There was not. Um, also, last grievance about the about the official officials. That was all ball on Leo Berman. Carry on. <laughs> but yeah, looking at some of the players tonight, uh, Deshaun Davis from Mississippi State. He averaged seven point eight points a game tonight. He had thirteen, and eleven of those points came from the free throw line. And just another player on Mississippi State. Auburn could not stop Tolu Smith, which I feel like we pretty much we talked about in the preview episode that if he goes for twenty, you're going to struggle. And I mean, it was close. He, he scored twenty. He had a double double, twenty and ten, on the dot. Actually, 
far and away the best player from Mississippi State. And if he's got another year of eligibility, he's going to look really, really good in Kentucky Blue next year. I think it's uh, Keyshawn Murphy, actually. Yeah? Yeah. Murph. Care, uh, moving on from that point, um, my, my last point to this, Dylan, before I transition over, um, and we got one more basketball point, we'll make it quick. Um, but my last uh, Auburn point, and we talked touch about this at the, the beginning of the show, you got to start running teams out of the gym. I know it sounds like Auburn fans are getting greedy and and, uh, and and you're asking for too much more than a win. A win is a win is a win is a win. We say it on this podcast every freaking week, Dylan. We, we do. But it's extremely important. Every now and again, if you're just clearly better, and Auburn in the first half was clearly better until they decided they were going to let Mississippi State back into it. You've got to start running some teams out the gym. And, and, and that's not just me wanting more. It's the selection committee going to need to see more. Yes. I mean, Auburn should have th- – this six-point win over a team who shot 0 of 18 from the three-point line. There's no reason at all this game should not be a double-digit plus win tonight especially in the jungle right that's uh that's i i i I couldn't say it any better i do have a question for both of you and you put on the rundown i was going to ask it anyways uh not auburn related sec related directly impacting auburn um uh kentucky did beat tennessee today which is pretty big for auburn um actually because you needed a loss on tennessee's record and and now it's kind of a, a wide open race at the top right yeah, not that I'm not saying that Alabama is not the clear favorite because I think they are. Um, but this is that that was a big, big win for 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 actually Auburn fans wanting Kentucky to win probably for the first time maybe ever um, today. Um, that's like the worst of the worst Tennessee Kentucky for Auburn fans. That's like misery for them. Um, but Calipari, do you think that is he on the hot seat? Yeah. No. Yeah, I don't think so either. I feel like you need a, you need a a losing record at the least start of the season to even be considered in the hot seat for a coach that's been he's basically tenured there. Well no, like... he has a lifetime contract. Well yeah. Tenured. Same thing. Yeah. If I like me for me to just defend my position real quick. Go ahead. So the thing is this Kentucky team just so much talent has filtered through that school. Names like or I'm not even gonna say Anthony Davis because he's not part of this next discussion. In 2012 you have that team five first round draft picks you win the natty Phenomenal. Okay. I could coach that coaching staff to a national championship. <laughs> you're, I could. you're absolutely right. Okay. So then just think about all the names that have gone through that team. You have Devin Booker, you have Carl Anthony Towns. Every team is a Kentucky, every NBA team has a Kentucky Wildcat. Tie tie. Tie tie. Every team has a Kentucky Wildcat. All right. There's no talent shortage all shortage at all. But what, what happens every March? Early loss, early exit. Sweet 16, Sweet 16, St. Peter's. I just don't think that they can get it done. Now, I'm not going to disagree with you, Daniel. I mean, I, I'm about about the fact that I, at some point you kind of kind of look, and this is a weird lackadaisical comp, but look at Auburn's discontent, Auburn fans' discontent with Gus Malzahn and make it not similar to John Calipari. I, I, I mean, that, that's a, that, that, yeah, that, that, I already can see that quote on the grid. Um, but <laughs> uh, yeah, but I mean, it's not, I don't think it's dissimilar. Um, it's the same concept. I, I understand where you're coming from. I think it's going to take a horrendous season back to back to get Calipari canned. Uh, I c- c- the the fans turnout at Rupp has been pathetic this year, though. Yeah, because they're over it, which is uh, it's bizarre to me. So we'll 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 keep an eye on that. But uh, sorry to interrupt you. Go ahead. But just in the COVID year, and um, Kentucky just wasn't great that year. That was Auburn's 
probably closest game in Rupp in a very long time. And then, like, obviously last year they were very good, a very high seed. Then what happened in the tournament happened. Best game I've ever watched, quite frankly. And then this year you're mid again. So, like, this is the Alabama football equivalent. Like, Kentucky is the Alabama equivalent. All right. Without the rings. Without the rings. I'm sorry. I just loved how that was. You had the most like eloquent verbiage. And then you said, and then this year you're mid again. <laughs> it was beautiful. And I, I wouldn't have scripted it any better, Daniel. I loved it. Look really good on the, on the, on the grid. Yeah. We're giving you free grid t- content for that yeah, matter. I just feel like how many mid seasons are those fans going to put up with? Oh, I get it. I'm with you. I just don't think that the powers that be one, you can't afford, but well, you probably can, but it's, it's a tough PR move and a tough break the bank. You're not wrong to to get to get them gone. And I don't think that that's necessarily it's time just yet. Uh, there is a guy who competes for national champions every championships every single year, Dylan. There is a guy, and it's not really a guy. It's a it's a tiger. Yeah, it's right. I mean, I Aubie finished third today in the mascot championship, right behind Smokey from Tennessee and the Bearcat from Cincinnati who ended up winning. But hey, Cincinnati got their national championship. And that's back to back for the Bearcat. I no, mean, is it? Yeah. Wow. I'm with it. I, I like the Bearcat, Bearcat dynasty. Uh, it's starting. But the only difference between these three these three mascots is the fact that the Bearcat and Smokey is some guy in a costume. The the things that Auburn has trained this tiger to do <laughs> is outstanding. I mean, have you ever Remarkable. seen I've never seen a tiger just like put on a top gun outfit and then like crowd surf into the stands. I mean, it's outstanding. I don't know how he doesn't win every year. Uh my favorite uh Aubie uh, moment ever was when Tank Bigsby had his breakout uh, freshman year. Um, and so soft, soft, his sophomore year, uh, Avi was riding in a cardboard tank around wearing army camo with uh, binoculars. That was a good one. So shout out Avi. Um, you know what? I wish we could get an Avi feature on the podcast. I'm sure he'd have a lot to add. <laughs> so he'd have a lot to say. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, my favorite Avi moment, he was on campus for me whenever I was getting my uh, grad picks. So I have a grad pick with Avi. Oh, that's awesome. What's your favorite Avi moment? Um, in 2021, when the Alabama State Hornets came to town, obviously bringing the very uh, famous, world-renowned honeybee dance line, and um, Avi dresses up as Winnie the Pooh. That that's amazing. I'm, I forgot I'm, about that. I'm about to go hunt. Anyways, so Auburn women's basketball <laughs> has a big test tomorrow, uh, and we'll be quick about this one today. Actually, as this is going up. Yeah, today. Correct. I'm sorry. Um, on su- on Sunday. So um. Tomorrow, Sunday afternoon, today afternoon, this afternoon. Hello, good morning, welcome, happy Sunday. Happy <laughs> College Loop Sunday to those who celebrate, right? <laughs> I tweet that every freaking day. Um, but uh, I don't ever chalk it up as a loss until all is said and done, right? Um, uh-huh. LSU 17 to 0, the number five in the country. Um, they're going to, in my opinion, they're going to play close ball with South Carolina this year. Uh, you've got a handful um, of girls averaging in, in, in double figures. And by that, I mean, they have four girls and averaging double figures. Uh, Angel Reese is her. Uh, we, we've known this. Uh, and uh, Aisha Koulibaly still hurt. Um, this is going to be another one of those opportunities. And I talked about this with Lindsey Crosby on the uh, the Auburn Daily Show on Friday. A little shameless plug. It's okay. Uh, I'm gonna let, I'm gonna turn it over to Daniel here after this. But I, I I what I told him is this is an opportunity to get better. And that's really the way you have to look at it. Yeah, so um, I know it's clipped, and I'm still proud of it, but 
the glimmer of hope that I was able to find against South Carolina, I'm just not really finding it here. Um, being without Aisha is huge. So kind of like Tar said, what you do here is you take this as an opportunity to learn. This is the second best team on your schedule. So you just go, you see what they've got, and then if you can just take every lesson you can out of this, there's no reason that you can't turn it around next time. Because against you have Ole Miss soon at home. That That's a get-right game. I forget who their midweek opponent is this week. Um, Carry on. I can pull it for you. But you know, you've got to take advantage of these learning opportunities because um, a loss is not necessarily pointless. Well, I'm listening. Like I wasn't, I wasn't disputing that. I was yeah. talking about the midweek game is not necessarily get right. There's Mississippi State in between LSU and Ole Miss. So. Yeah. So, that oh. would be <laughs> um, so just, just learn twice, and then you have a get right game, maybe. I think that – when, when I say that, and, and I'm building off what, what Daniel's saying, you don't chalk it as a loss. You take every single game. You, yeah. If we already knew who was going to win, we wouldn't play the game. Right. And, yeah. and that, that's I, I will live that. Put that on my freaking headstone. Uh, I, I mean that and, and take that and use that as a mantra in everything in life. I'm not even kidding. Um, this is a great opportunity for every single player on the Auburn's roster from, from starter to bench, um, to from the front of the bench to the end of the bench. Um, to get better, to play really good competition. This is an opportunity for Coach Coach Jay and her staff to get better. Um, you've got to coach a perfect game if you're going to be a team like this. Um, yep. You've got to play a perfect game to, be, you get a, uh, to beat a team like this. Practice playing perfect. You might find yourself in the thick of things. I mean, that that's why you play. Um, so that's that's kind of my outlook on this and probably the way Auburn fans should probably take it. That being said, Daniel, if you, unless you have anything to add, I'm going to throw it to Dylan and let him transition into Mr. Tank Talks football. So the big thing, big key to the game is get the ball inside, stay out of foul trouble. It's that simple. And shoot, from, shoot the ball well from three. I mean, this is the best three-point shooting team we've seen in years. Yeah. And before we transition to football, let's go transition to another sport, Auburn. My apologies. Uh, I'm sorry. It's literally on the rundown. Yes, it is. Auburn Gymnastics, number five ranked team in the country, went against the number two. Number f- Yeah, number two, Florida. New Florida this uh, yesterday or Friday, right. they lost again to Florida. I actually had my stat wrong. They're actually zero for twenty-one and one. I forgot I was actually at that meet last. Night. <laughs> yeah, but it felt like a loss because you ties are not fun. Uh, that tie was pretty fun. That tie I'm was fun. That tie was pretty a, fun. As a sports manic, you know I don't want to tie. No, I'm I'm 100 with you. I get it. Uh, Daniel, I'll let you I'll let you jump in here wherever you want. Uh, Florida is a very good gymnastics team, but so is Auburn. Um, this was a great road score in a hostile environment. Florida actually sells, on average, they sell more tickets to gymnastics than they do men's basketball. I mean, that's not a shade I'm throwing at basketball. That, that they are crazy about their gymnastics in Gainesville, and they have been for a very very long time. Um, and, and and if this if this meets it uh, at Neville Arena, I mean, home field advantage and home court advantage is a little different in gymnastics. But the atmosphere is different. Um, Suni Lee went on went on uh, went on bars. I'm sorry, not on bars. Went on beam uh, and scored a uh, nine nine five. Right after there was a perfect ten on the floor, and Florida fans were still chanting 10, 10, 10 throughout her entire routine. Um, this is one of those things, and that, that, that's part of the game. That's part that's, that's part of the of the sport. Um, it might be different if this is at, at Neville. This is a great road score. Um, one thing about gymnastics that just makes me respect it so much is those athletes are literally being judged against perfection. And the way that they can go out there in a tough environment like that, give it everything they have and come out with 
a score this close against a team that very well could win the national championship in April, I think you can chalk it up as not a horrible loss. There were also three perfect tens in this meet. Two of them came from Florida. Yeah. Uh, and Trinity Thomas is her. I, we've known this. She's a, she's a fifth-year super senior at Florida. She's been good for years. Um, and, and she's one of the top collegiate gymnasts in, in, in the United States. But they're loaded just like Auburn is. Um, so, I mean, this is – I know that it's weird and in, in to under, to, to not, not see road losses or losses really counting against you. This actually probably benefits Auburn. Um, in, in, the lo- in the long run uh, in, in the world of collegiate gymnastics. Holy crap, we've had such a good gym conversation on this podcast. Like, quote that. <laughs> <laughs> will do. I will ask him, before we turn to this football, I have a little funny question to ask. Out of floor, beam, and bars, which one do you think y'all could score the highest points on? Oh, beam. Beam. <laughs> you okay, the beam. Floor. Floor. <laughs> I can't dance. You're you're not even counting vault. You don't think any of us could do it? I don't know. Oh, I I forgot about vault. I mean, I think I could provide the most comedic relief on vault. I think that I could score the highest on floor, and I think I would score about a five. These were five. I I think I could score five on floor. I'm quoting that. <laughs> I don't I don't really mean that at all. I just wanted to, I'm just gonna quote it out of context so it gets enough traction by some gymnastics. But make sure when you put it like Harrison Tart out of context. <laughs> I'm making a separate Twitter. Harrison Tarr out of context. <laughs> <laughs> no context, the college loop. <laughs> I do love the uh, Fortnite uh, chair you're on. Yeah, uh, I know. <laughs> Drew, Drew I just, rocks, uh, rocks the Fortnite chair. <laughs> but yeah, to go to the football conversation, it is. it was 32 degrees this morning in Auburn, Alabama. Some of that had to do with the fact that Auburn picked up yet another transfer recruit from Ole Miss. So he wanted a great change of scenery from Oxford to Auburn. Three-star helped Auburn secure a top spot in the transfer portal rankings for the in the SEC. I think they're fourth right now in college football on, per 24-7 sports. But, I mean, they're also behind Colorado, who has like 40 transfers coming in. So, but, yeah, Austin Keys, uh, he was a sophomore last season, so he has two more years of eligibility. Last season had 39 tackles for two sacks and a forced fumble. He's six foot two, 245 pounds. So he's about the same weight as he was when he came in at Ole Miss, actually. Uh, he was 6'2", 241, which, I mean, you only put in a couple of pounds of linebacker. Uh, we talked about this before you got out of the pod, Dylan. I'm glad you gave me the quick rundown. I was – I'm actually enjoying a vacation weekend here in Auburn, um, which is – I've not, vac- like, actually gone on a little mental vacation in a while. I didn't even know Austin Keys committed. I, I I knew that he was on the radar. Um, it even took me a minute when you mentioned it. I was like, oh, wait, who? And then I was like, oh, wait a minute. We talked about him earlier in the week. Um, I think – and it's a starter, Daniel. I really do. Um, yeah. I'm curious you, is the linebacker room done? Um, I'm not going to go as far to say that any position is done quite yet. Maybe running back is done. Running back's I, done. I feel like there are plenty of um, backs in the room. Um, secondary. Secondary, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, no, I don't think running back's done. Uh, and also, I, I know this is probably going to go there, so I'll just get it there. I don't think quarterback's done. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I um, I, I don't know. Um, give it to the end there, Daniel. <laughs> That's uh, I don't know yet. I think the quarterbacks could be done. I think that either Freeze is going to get the guy that he's looking at. Um, I think there's probably one clear answer. We've said his name probably a hundred times on the show. Um, or we're gonna wait until the spring transfer period if uh if if another quarterback emerges. So, yeah. But uh, another guy is that we missed the day that our last episode came out. 
Uh, Justin Rogers committed to Auburn, four-star defensive lineman out of Kentucky. And the defensive safety. line is so good now. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie, I completely missed this one. Yeah, you did. Oh, yeah, he's 6'3, 332 pounds. This man is big, huge. Yeah, he's a big yeah. boy. <clears throat> huge guy. Tackles half a sack last season, but he's not wasn't really a starter. He's a raw talent type defensive tackle that Kentucky really hates that they lost. Like they really hate they. They lost. were up in arms about this. Yeah, it was like LSD whenever Demario Tolan committed to Auburn. They when a when a team is not happy about a player leaving, that means you won in some aspect. Yeah, a hundred oh hundred percent. And this defensive line room, I mean, now I, I talked about this with Lindsey Crosby on Friday because this broke before we recorded um the, the Auburn Daily Show. Uh this is a guy that now that defensive line room, you have rotational depth. Um, which is something we've not seen since a couple of guys, and this is verbatim what I told Lindsay. A couple of guys named Derek and Marlin were playing on that defensive line, um, and 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 you might have kind of had that this past year with with Aguilera and 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 Derek Hall coming off the edge. But like, this is a scary good defensive front. The potential to be a scary good defensive front. Yeah, and adding plenty of depth on a D line that really needed it. I mean, Auburn was losing Ikuliota and I remember who Derek Hall, Kobe Wooten. And so depth was a big thing that this team wasn't going to have going into next season. And I've got any more of those uh, Wooten brothers. Yeah, there's another. There is another. You're so right. But he's in the secondary, a position where Auburn is completely stacked. (laughs) It's it's just in the bloodline, right? (laughs) Just let him gain about 100 more pounds and he'll be fine. Right. That's right. But another linebacker Auburn's been in the loop for. We're talking about how linebackers not as good. Get it, like the, the loop because we're on the college loop podcast. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, another linebacker is Nick Jackson. He was a junior last year for Virginia. Uh, this guy could potentially start next season at linebacker. I know we talked about how Robert Woodyard. Uh, yeah. Demario Tolan are really good, but. We're bringing in a guy who has three years of experience, and in those three years, he was a third-team All-ACC in 2020. And 2021-2022, he was back-to-back All-ACC second-team. He led the ACC and was ninth in the NCAA in tackles per game. He actually Last has four season. years of experience and, uh, and two years of eligibility gone. Yep. Uh, 22, in 2022, 104 tackles, five sacks, one forced fumble, and four pass deflections. He is six one, 234 pounds, and he paid, played wide receiver in high school. <laughs> Daniel was so excited to say that. <laughs> Is that what you were waiting for? Uh, I was going to say, and 34 receiving yards. And that can be the trout at linebacker. You have to do one practice at wide receiver and you see how you do. <laughs> I don't hate it. I don't. I mean, if uh, one linebacker could ever reach my instantly 14 prowess it, it, returning interceptions back for touchdowns, it'd be immaculate. <laughs> so maybe he can do that. Five sacks in 2022. That's the most eye popping number to me. And for obvious reasons, uh, I think now I still think Demario Tolan's probably going to wind up being the guy uh, in terms of uh, more reps. I think they'll split, and and now you have rotational depth, and this is why I, I meant to ask if linebacker was done after we talked about Nick Jackson. Um, I think it probably is now, um, just because you're running out of scholarship spots, <laughs> which is that's if he can. Sorry, I have to move to the floor so I can. <laughs> so I mean. So this does really help the linebacker room. Uh, Nick Jackson would be a huge get. He was visiting this weekend. Uh, Tar talk about how he's expecting to commit soon. 
So we'll have that up as soon as it happens. But yeah, he'd be a huge get. And you have to wonder, yeah, DeMario Tolan's a guy, but it's going to be a 4-2-5 system. So, I mean, it could. we don't know what the D-line's going to look like, but this could definitely be a pretty solid linebacker core with either Robert Woodyard or Nick Jackson or any of those guys coming off the bench. I think this could wind up being – now, let me, let me say this about Nick Jackson's commitment. Uh, first off, you, we could know as soon as this podcast comes out on, on, on Sunday morning um, or sometime during the day on Sunday um, that Nick Jackson's committed to Auburn or committed elsewhere. Um, but if you, if you add a guy like this, and even if you don't, uh, this, this, this defensive unit has the potential um, in terms of talent-wise to be 2017-esque. Um, like the best team since 2017 uh, that defense was special, man. Um, that 2019 defense was special, <laughs> but this team has, has the potential to return to what we, what we saw, um, under, under Kevin Steele. Uh, and, and that should be encouraging because we don't know what the offense is going to look like. Yeah. No. We put on, we, I, it's hard to talk about doing this. Like, uh, I'm pitching this to Daniel. I know it's hard to talk about, like, doing our own separate five minute videos, breaking down every position by position, just so to save us some breathing room on the podcast. But I feel like some of the best positions that are going to be fun to talk about are the linebacker position, defensive <laughs> line, and maybe the wide receiver room. And I feel like quarterbacks just always in that conversation. Yeah. People but- are constantly talking about it. If Spencer Sanders somehow commits somewhere else, we're going to transition to Spencer Sanders right now. If he were to commit anywhere else, uh, I guess it's, it's chalked up to Robbie's job. But you'd think Holden Jariner is able to battle it out, make it fun, make Robbie better in the process. And under Hugh Freeze and uh, under a quarterback mind like him and Philip Montgomery, you really like how Robbie Astor could play next season. Uh, Tar, you about to say something? No, I was just gonna throw in there that uh, I don't. There's no way in the world, and and this will. I, I probably just cursed Auburn, so I apologize to Auburn fans. Uh, there's no way in the world that TJ Finley winds up winning a job and actually being able to play. But I think we expect TJ Finley to be in spring camp. He's at winter workouts. I tried to put it on the rundown because I forgot. Like I almost forgot he was on the roster. Uh, but yeah, TJ Finley is also in the conversation. Question mark. Uh, he'll be battling out with he- Hank Brown to see who gets the red shirt. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, well, you you wonder you wonder uh, if if Span- Sanders doesn't commit. Yeah, I mean, this is not TJ's job. This is Robbie's job to lose if if Sanders doesn't come to Auburn. Um, but if Sanders doesn't commit, you wonder if maybe Hugh Freeze offers TJ to redshirt, so you have another quarterback on the roster. I think a lot of people think highly of Hank Brown. I've certainly heard a lot of good things and seen a lot of good things on film about Hank Brown. I think we all agree that he's going to redshirt. Yeah, Holden Jariner, a lot of people think he's going to compete for that job. Um, and I, I don't. Th- I mean, I think it's like I said. I think it's Robbie to lose, but I certainly think he can lose it. And I, I, w- I would almost venture to guess that Hugh Freeze might be interested in keep t- keeping TJ on the roster, if nothing else. But you got a warm body who's at least played quarterback before, in case everything else goes wrong. And I mean, talk about like other quarterbacks that was on Auburn's roster, like Zach Calzada was. He just committed to Incarnate Word. I mean, that's another quarterback Auburn loss that could have been a good depth piece just to keep – like, if you lose Robbie Ashford and you lose Holden Jariner somehow, pray to God it doesn't happen. But, I mean, you got to throw in a, fre- a true freshman and Hank Brown, or you got to throw in T.J. Finley, who Auburn fans are probably going to groan at the thought of T.J. Finley going in. And I mean, who's But he probably gives you a better chance to win a game than Hank Brown. I'm not, yeah. I, this is not taking anything away from Hank. 
I, I actually think Zach, uh, Zach Blackerby over at the, uh, at the Auburn Daily calls him the baby goat. Um, I, I've, I've actually got really high expectations for him. Um, I think he's a great diamond in the rough and, and an overlooked guy. But you'd rather have someone that's played SEC ball, yes. even if it's not someone who, I mean, quite frankly, is not very good. But you'd rather have someone who's played SEC ball. Yeah. So you're really hoping that someone does come in just to give Auburn a little bit more depth. I don't expect TJ Finley to remain on the roster per – uh, his graduation in the spring. I expect him to go and leave out soon after the 8A game goes on, goes and comes and goes. But it, it'll be an interesting. I'm trying to, it, but TJ Finley and maybe Holden Jarner could be an interesting QB battle. I know we talked about how highly touted Holden is, but I mean, I I'm trying to remember it was a past Auburn season where the second string quarterback position was actually more interesting than who's going to be the starter because the starter was already set in stone and the second string was like who's going to back him up. That would be um, the Jarrett Stidham, um, Malik Willis season. Jarrett Stidham, Malik Willis, and Joe Gatewood. Yep, and I mean, you look at that pass QB battle between Gatewood and Malik Willis, and I mean, both those guys ended up transferring, and one of them had a good career after he left Auburn. Uh, the other one's still in the transfer portal playing for his sixth season in college football. Uh, but I think Hank Brown versus TJ – or not Hank Brown, uh, Holden Jarrett versus TJ Finley – with a TJ Finley who is probably looking to impress some other coaches, I think the A Day game could also be a very good opportunity for him to maybe stay in the FBS level. I mean, if if Zach Calzada goes FCS, I feel like there's a good good chance that TJ Finley will be also in the FCS soon. Yeah, I already said this. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm just repeating the facts, Daniel. I know that. Southern incoming. <laughs> Incarnate word. He just backs up Zach Calzada again. That would be so funny, dude. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. It should be interesting to to hold on and take a look at uh, this quarterback situation. We'll At the end of this week, we'll actually know what's going on because um, we're getting close to the end of that transfer window. Um, so, I do believe that you said the January the 16th. Is I the, believe it's the 16th that the transfer portal window closes. The 16th is the last day you can uh, declare for the NFL draft, which a lot of Ohio State fans are freaking out because CJ Stroud is yet to have declared for the draft yet. But, I mean, that'd be – January 18th. January 18th. So, we'll actually be able to have a show. So, the Wednesday. Wednesday we'll, actually, night, we'll be able to record on Wednesday. Me and, me and you are going to be back-to-back on that day. Yeah. That's so good. Hope, uh, that's good for we us. Hope, hopefully, awesome. we'll wake up to answers. Oh, you'll have all the call. You'll have all the college loop and the Auburn Daily rundown um, content for uh, closing of the transfer portal. That'll be huge. We'll be able to talk by the Thursday episode about what this looks like. Yeah. But with that being said, support your women's basketball team. We're going to need it tomorrow. Make a long story short, versus the top five team. And with all that being said, this is the College Loop Podcast. I'm Dylan Lark at your boy the Tank on Twitter, and y'all can go ahead and add. Daniel Locke at Daniel J. Locke on Twitter. I'm Harrison Tarr at by Harrison Tarr on Twitter. You can check out my work at the College Loop. Obviously, like you're listening to this podcast, you can also check out Dylan and I's work over at the Auburn Daily. That's at the Auburn Daily and the Auburn Daily Show. Make sure you check that out Monday through Friday every single week. And you've got the College Loop Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday, so you should never run out of Auburn content. Thank you guys so much for listening to the show. And before we go, follow TikTok. We have daily content on there. Which is- oh, yeah. If you're, not, if you're not hanging out with the College Loop, on on social medias i don't know what you're doing man you're missing out you're actually missing out it's a good time we have fun some some fun memes but see y'all on tuesday